Welcome to the Electra International series, Think Like a Leader. We all enjoy hearing another person's success story, and we hope our conversations with leaders from across the electrical construction industry will help spark your interest and creativity in finding ways you can think like a leader. EV charging for the new Innovation and Manufacturing Center. They're located in Middleton, Massachusetts. They are actually part of Light Efficient Design. So welcome, Mike. We're so glad to have you here. This is a whole new world for some of our audience, and I know they're going to really appreciate what you have to say. So thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Carolyn. And uh, Josh, it's a real pleasure. So glad to be here. So the center's focus is product customization and environmentally friendly LED lighting. Mm -hmm. What was it about that opportunity that made you decide to join this new venture so that you really would be able to be bringing new products to the marketplace? Yeah, so uh, thanks, that's a great question. So with Light Efficient Design uh, being primarily a lighting company and innovation uh, with solar and some other uh, great products out there, we had some common connections through startups I had worked with previously. So a little background, I had worked with SEMA Connect, worked with Juice Bar. I'm entering my sixth year in the EV charging space, EVSE space. And I was approached by a very good industry person, Jackson Haskell, mentioning, hey, I got a company I think would be great. They want to innovate with a charger. They're an amazing lighting company and they want to uh, ask you to come aboard and help them bring to market a new brand, a new product line. And so the first thing I thought of is, boy, I don't know if I, I don't know anything about lighting, uh, but I, I went ahead and, and spoke with the principals here. And what I found out and the reason I came here to answer your question is I had been in previous companies that were startup and in a startup as, as great as your aspirations can be, there's a lot of pressure on revenue, a lot of pressure on racing to market, a lot of pressure on kind of, you know, uh, gasping for oxygen sometimes, which I, I would say is not always ideal for bringing the best solutions to market or for bringing the best customer service to market. So LED gave me the ability and the opportunity and support being a functioning company, a successful company, an innovative company in the space already with uh, established channel sales, a reputation for distribution only, and a really sound reputation for standing behind our partnerships and our products and our promises. You know, a lot of people say that. These guys actually do that. So you know, when I realized who I'd be coming in with, I realized it would be the best opportunity to bring a product to market properly uh, with the right work, with the right ability to fix things in real time, with the resources, existing engineering team in place, existing customer service reps. You know, everything was already here. The manufacturing uh, space we have downstairs at our innovation center lets us modify products for special jobs, lets us rework our own products in real time. You know, it's a real luxury to be here for that. So uh, I guess when I, my first thought is why a lighting company? And at the end of the day, I couldn't have landed in a better space to, to bring a quality product to the market. How did you come up? And, and I don't know that it's you personally, but how, how did you and your colleagues come up with the name Breeze EV? 
Yeah, so uh, I think I'm going to give a nod to David Gershaw, our chief innovation officer on Breeze. You know, it, they, they wanted something that was fresh, uh, clean, easy, and and I think comforting, right? So so Breeze, and it's also a play on the word, the Breeze EV at the end. And that, it was really as simple as that. Certainly there are some other names brought up, but, but Breeze is the one that uh, we, we took to. When you talk about things and and you describe yourselves as being environmentally friendly, how do you weigh that against a cost per item? Is your customer saying, I don't care about the item, I need to be environmentally friendly, I got to answer to my marketplace, or are they more interested in the cost? Yeah, no, luckily there's more sanity, I think, in a distribution model and in the, the electrical contractor world. And by sanity, I just mean it's about performance, reliability, cost, and service still. In terms of globally, in terms of footprints, you know, offsets, carbon footprints, and all those, you know, uh, sexy talking points, it really hasn't gotten down to manufacturing on the charger side as much as it would be a legitimate issue for, say, how you make an electric vehicle or battery storage or things like that. So luckily, we don't have any real barriers to how we produce it that make an impact on that as much. Are you post-COVID? Now, everybody says we're post-COVID. I'm not sure, but let's go with post-COVID. Are you seeing more requests for innovative, customized solutions? Are people finally getting out of the mold of saying, oh, that product was fine. Let's keep using that. And they are coming to you wanting innovative answers. Well, I think, you know, again, I'm speaking just for electric vehicle charging. Uh, it's so new. And even though, you know, it's been in, in, in progress for over 12 years, you could people could argue in the industry, it's really new to the consumer and really new to, to the average person, even to the drivers of EV vehicles. So people don't know what they don't know. So we're being pushed more by people just asking questions that they have. Can you do this? Can the charger do this? Why can't your charger do this? Why can't you integrate with my parking system? Why can't you integrate with my building management system? You know, why can't it distribute ice cream? So uh, we get a lot of, you know, interesting questions, some of them good, some of them just people asking. But what has what has been a constant here for Breeze and for Light Efficient Design is we listen to the market, we listen to our channels, our, distrib our distributors, and our electrical contractors, and they bring us the best ideas. They bring us what they're hearing. You know, they bring us the challenge they need served. And so really, it's a lot easier than I thought it would be because people are constantly coming to us with either a question or an ask or just a good idea. And that's really what's been able to drive us. Well, when they bring those questions and those asks to you, how quickly does your innovation center have to respond in order to meet market demand for this new product and brand of EVSE? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So, uh, you know, Again, luckily, the market is in a nascent position. We're right at the beginning of it. And as much as there is pressure to pivot or to modify or to evolve something, I would say that it's easier to do because we don't have as much commitment to a huge inventory or an established product line, right? So we're out there putting out, let's just say, a level two charger. And let's say that suddenly California comes out you know, with a new regulation or a new ask for their, for their utility programs. So suddenly, the market is going 
going to signal, hey, we want a charger, for example, that can have a credit card reader, or we want a charger that uh, can have time of use, or they can track carbon credits, you name it. You know, that is our signal to get back downstairs, get back in the shop, work with our manufacturing branch, and start working on the next iteration that's going to come out to meet that goal. And generally, uh, we're good about doing that every six months. I mean, we are very agile because we control our manufacturing and we have um, engineers that are on staff and people very knowledgeable with not just EV charging, but making things and making quality electronics. And that's that's really been my biggest uh, surprise here is how good we are at you know making a pivot, adding a feature. So yeah, I would say six months would be considered relatively quickly and we regularly are doing that. Now, LED, the company, it focuses on and describes itself as focusing on three top priorities, relationship loyalty, product quality, and innovation. So obviously you're there, you are the innovation. But would you say that those three priorities are the same in your innovation and manufacturing center as they are in the other part of the company? Yeah, you know, uh, I would say exactly the same. Listen, people talk about uh, culture and company culture all the time. And, you know, a lot of people deliver it, but we certainly start, our company culture starts at the top with ownership. And, you know, uh, Tim Taylor especially, there's a respect for the human capital at this company. And, you know, the relationship loyalty begins with our own employees. And, you know, that's not always true. People talk it, but that's not always the experience. And I got to tell you, I have been blessed to uh, wind up at a, at a place that happens to have a lot of really quality human beings here. Uh, and we all take pride in what we do, but it starts with respect with each other. And we carry that out to our customers because, listen, it's a relationship business. Everything is a relationship business, even a commoditized product. And, you know, how do we get out there and battle a charge point or an ABB or some, you know, established job? Well, we do it by getting into doors open to us when there's an extra opportunity and letting people experience what we really bring to the table, uh, which is basically uh, our word and, and our loyalty to them. And again, as a, as, a, as a company that goes through distribution only, you know, it kind of starts with that. Are you as innovative with your approach to marketing as you are to the new product line itself? Yeah, well, I wish I could say I was. I can tell you our marketing team is they are, uh, to me, I think they're amazing. I mean, I, I haven't seen better a better group of marketing people uh, outsourced, let alone in-house. We do win awards, industry awards within the lighting industry for our, for our marketing. And I would just suggest that they do a great job at all the standard stuff and anything that they're brought, any ideas. I, I get things turned around in a day or two. It's really, I'm just very lucky to have the the resources at my disposal I have here. How do you determine how best to use your time and your talent in order to lead your team to its continued success? Yeah, question about me, those are the hardest ones. So I would say that I'm given the liberty to be someone who comes in as needed. So we have such a well-established, both a sales team, uh, a customer service support and channels that you know we're, we're launching our EV products through those same distributors or same partners. So we really get a lot of 
you know, kind of momentum and wind at our back coming in that we wouldn't normally have. So I've been given the liberty to basically be called in as that extra person or the expertise or, or maybe just a glorified cheerleader, you know, that has some industry experience and, and, and push where I'm needed most, whether it's making a new partnership, uh, lobbying a utility, you know, getting into a, a group of property owners or uh, getting into NECA and being a resource. I really have a lot of liberty. So I'm not sure if that answers the question, but I get to run around where they need me most. Uh, I get to be, uh, like I said, cheerleading the effort. And I, my main goal is to be as available as possible so I can take calls, meet with people and do the things that, you know, if I had another assignment, I might not have the time to do. Now, the part that you lead, the Innovation Center, and you are director of the EV charging, the overall company has been recognized for several years by groups such as Inc. Magazine and Crane's Chicago Business Fastest Growing Companies. Do those kinds of lists have an impact on the approach that you take to find new talent to come to work with you and your innovation team? Oh, I, I would suggest that, that that those those accolades and that recognition is a result of how we just are as a company and how we operate. And I would I would imagine that that is evident when people come in to interview with us, when they come in and, and sit down with us and they get a sense that we actually feel like those accolades that are given to us. And so I'm not sure how we aim it or, or focus it. I just know that that we are who we are, and those awards are a, a recognition of that. And people do recognize that when they come in here, and we have, and we retain. I haven't heard of anyone who's left here unless they've retired or they've really moved on to something completely different. We really retain our people for that reason. In your opinion, is it easier to attract young professionals to the manufacturing side and the innovation side of the electrical industry rather than to the construction side? Well, in my experience and anecdotally, uh, hanging out at Electri especially, is that they're both challenging. I would okay. suggest those are probably two of the biggest challenges that we have as a, just an electrical industry is getting new talent on, on the field side and getting people back into, you know, old school, old fashioned work, like producing something, you know, and wanting to get your hands on a product. So I think there are two different groups of individuals, uh, and I think there's a dire need for both. But, you know, as the economy tightens, as and as things change, suddenly I believe that the trades and manufacturing are going to have an inevitable renaissance because those are both pursuits that actually produce things. They're not just theoretical. People can be proud. And I think people get excited when they put something in the ground, wire something up or make something. At least I do. And the people that I work with do as well. You know, for a lot of people, fixtures are just that. They're fixtures. How do you employ your leadership skills to convince your customers that the innovative specialty solutions that your team can provide is going to make a, a substantive difference for them at their location and their facility. What kind of magic sauce do you have to use to make them understand the changes and why it's important not to just do it the same old way? 
Sure. Well, I think that begins with uh, the audience understanding or believing that you're credible with some expertise in what you're going to speak about, right? So it begins with, is there a credible messenger? And then beyond that, that messenger really has to have the details of how can it impact that that project or that site host or that company, that customer, you know, in real numbers, not just, hey, this is the best thing since sliced bread, but hey, this is what you got. This is what you could have. Here's what we do. Here's why we do it, or here's what we've seen, and here's how it can help you. You know, pretty basic tackling and blocking, but you have to have the years of experience. And, you know, so I think it just starts with genuine people who have the expertise and then how to communicate it by listening to that client and understanding what's, you know, what the pain point is, or maybe it's just about bottom line, you know, but we try to stay on point. We have some great, some great uh, people out there who know how to do that. Now, I read about your lunch and learn programs where people come in to your location. And would you say that those have been successful in educating both employees and customers about the innovative products and their best use? I would say that is our number one uh, success uh, uh, story is having people come here. Uh, the Innovation Center, I wish I could pan around and show what it is here, but we we, we, re we regularly bring people in here, have them come in for a couple days, uh, and it can be contractors, it can be our reps, it can be the contractor's clients, and they're invited up here to uh, be introduced to products, you know, they, we get to have a nice lunch. We have a great facility. We go downstairs and see how we can, uh, you know, work on things by hand and, and what we have the ability to modify and, 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 uh, work on new products. And then we show them the products in their hand, you know, and again, it's all out here, uh, in what they would look like in the real world. And it's a hands-on simple hands-on stuff, show and tell hands-on. Uh, and that really, and the other part of it is we spend a couple of days with these these folks and, you know, we, we get out to dinner, we get in a relaxing environment. They're at a hotel that's nearby. We try to take care of them and we try to make sure that they really feel they get some some value out of the education piece. But most of them leave feeling that they've made a contact and that they've made, you know, at least a, a, a friendly uh, potential relationship in the industry, if not convinced that we're the partner to go with. So it, it's been a great resource for us and continue to be one of our best reviewed and best received um, efforts. Because everything you do is tied to innovation and tied to newness, does that make preparing your sales force more difficult to make sure that they are well-informed and well-prepared for them to be able to articulate the benefits of the products to the potential buyer? Wow, that is a really good question. So, um, yeah, that that is probably the other side of the coin, right? So, so the other side of innovation uh, and, and a great question is, you know, how can we make sure that that's, that that's something that we can quickly get our staff and, and our and our team members up to speed on a comfort level and that feeling that they have that knowledge to then go out there and pass it off. So, I'm not. I don't think it's the biggest challenge, but it's an area that we spend a lot of time on. We do regular meetings in house with product updates, with product reviews. Uh, we'll go back and do it two or three times over the course of a quarter when there's a new product. And the, the idea is to make sure that we have our own expertise set across our company before we go out there and offer it to the market. You know, and sometimes we got to get out there kind of quick. But yeah, my, my the other part of my job and my hat I wear is educating our team, you know, on the on the product side of EV charging and what's going on there. And they really rely on me to come in there and kind of, you know, give them 
them the, the secret sauce of what, what matters and what doesn't. But uh, company-wide, it is a regular process. And, you know, it's, it's just keeping our staff and all of our members educated. And then, you know, an educated employee is an effective employee. Now, your company made the strategic decision to join the Electric Council and to become involved with Electric International. What do you hope to achieve from this partnership? Well, our goal to come in there was how can we best be a resource to the industry? You know, we're not some 800 pound gorilla to show up on the scene and say, hey, here's Breezy V, everybody look out. So, you know, we recognized and were introduced to Electri and, you know, it, it was obvious who the members were. It was obvious what the focus was, which was on innovation, education. You know, where's the next generation of uh, electrical contractor uh, employees coming from? You know, we're, we're, how are we bringing more people to the to the industry to support what's in front of us all? And man, I, what I saw is a bunch of owners and principals and business leaders all put their guard down when they're at these meetings. I was invited down to a meeting in DC and I saw uh, uh, people sharing ideas, sharing best practices. I, I saw a lot of professional camaraderie and I, I thought it was really special. It hit me as a real valuable opportunity to get close to people that are movers and shakers and to become a resource as much as we can be uh, in our own way. And I think that I was 100% right about that opportunity. It's, it's no regrets. We're, we're, we're just in our first year. I've been exposed over a year, and it's been a real pleasure and have just, you know, really enjoy the, the, the camaraderie and the company that we keep in Electri. When you draw upon your work in innovation and with the Innovation Center, and as you think about that side by side with Electric International, are there certain programs and initiatives that you hope Electric will take on over the next several years? So you'd say to me, you know, Carolyn, we really like what we've seen so far, but we also believe Electric should be paying attention to... Sure. I, I'm going to say that in my first year in, I don't have enough knowledge to to speak up. What I will say is I've been invited to be on a on, in, in a, a research group and I've been we get presented all the different uh, grant proposals uh, at the meetings. And it seems to me that the, the, that the way everything is just set up structurally is really made for new ideas, introducing what's next. And, you know, and so I don't have that raise my hand moment yet, but I can assure you guys I will. And when I do have that moment, I know that I can get attention and get some ears and eyes on it at the top of our profession. And that is just an amazing, um, an amazing asset, an amazing feature, I think, of Electri. But no, I don't have any news movers and moving or shaking ideas yet, but I'm still just kind of listening, paying attention and, and doing what I can when I'm asked. Our audience is always interested in learning about a person's path to leadership. When you were a younger professional just entering the workforce, were things like innovation and problem solving important to you back then? Have you always been somebody looking forward and thinking about better ways to do things or make things? Uh, I would suggest at the very beginning of my career, I was looking at problem solving and how to pay the rent uh, and, and, and get a car. 
So that was probably my first problem solving. But uh, no, but on a serious note, no, I wasn't an, an, uh, an inventor, although uh, I love to tinker and I, I do like to play music. But what I have always found value in is people, the people side of the business. So what has moved me and always been uh, a measurement of my happiness or my success is uh, the relationships I build, how I treat people, uh, you know, how people hopefully treat me. And I know that sounds a little cliche, but uh, my biggest learning lesson and the only advice I got and or the advice I kept closest to me is respect other people, bring value. And in, in, in negotiations or, or disagreement, always leave somebody their dignity and an exit door. So you can always have that next conversation. So would you tell me that that's the best piece of real world advice that you still draw upon every day, the way you just articulated it? Yeah, I just I, again, I think it's treating people, uh, you know, the way that people enjoy being treated and if and, and being genuine. You know, my mother's always said if people would just be themselves, uh, it'd be a lot easier place to get along with everybody. So uh, I think there's some truth to that. So, you know, my goal is to acknowledge other people, try to respect people and try to let them know that there's some empathy. And uh, and, and that's it again, like a cheerleading role. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure you have the opportunity to share with our audience or any advice you would like to give to them? I don't think I'm in the position of a lot of advice. Um, I'd, I'd like to share from a charging uh, perspective that, hey, uh, the charging industry is just in its infancy. Uh, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of uh, performance that is promised and not delivered on in the industry. Um, you know, 70% of all public chargers are working at any given moment. Uh, a lot of different reasons go into that, but the idea is we have a long way to go as an industry. So I would just uh, suggest anyone who's listening to this, just understand that uh, as an industry, we're getting there, uh, we're getting better. We're gonna weed out those that don't deliver on their promises. And, you know, in a couple of years, I think there'll be a little more reliability and a little more sanity in what is otherwise kind of a new a new amenity out there and a new a new uh, feature for the market. Well, Mike, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I like what your mother told you. I think that's an important message. If you treat people well and, and you let them walk out of a room with their dignity, whether you agree with them on a topic or not, whether they buy the product or not, you're going to go a long way by simply being yourselves and being honest and true to the entire culture of your company. So thank you again for joining us today. It's been my pleasure, Carolyn. Thanks a lot. And uh, thanks to Josh as well for inviting me on today. And to our audience, let me remind you, as I do every time, that we have a lot of different Think Like a Leader interviews. All of them are available for you to either watch or listen to as you drive. Just go to electri.org and find them. There are more than 60 of them now, which is a really nice number. We're very proud of that. We're proud of Mike for his time today and very grateful too. So thank you for joining us. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for today's Think Like a Leader conversation. You can access every interview in this series on our website, electri.org, or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. This is a remarkable look inside the electrical construction industry, and it's yours for the listening. 